welcome to the Melbourne Business School podcast, where we answer the biggest questions in business today and explore the latest research. I'm your host, Yasmin Rupersinger. With us today, listeners, is Glenn Hetker. Glenn is Melbourne Business School's Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business and Director of the new Centre for Sustainability and Business. Glenn has some insights into how Australia as a whole has responded to COVID-19 and some thoughts to share regarding our next steps during this second wave. Hi, Glenn. Good morning. Now, Glenn, you have a few things to say about what business owners can learn from COVID-19 and how we as a nation responded to it. Let's begin with how you think we got to where we are today. Well, if you look at countries that are enduring COVID-19 the best, they're generally the ones that largely through bitter experience had good plans in place and implemented them. And as you look around the world, it's clear that we here in Australia are benefiting from the planning that was in place. It's clearly a very difficult time here in Victoria in particular, but still we're seeing a science-driven response coordinated across many institutions, which is keeping us in a better position than many other countries. We've seen that same sort of variation across businesses as well, and there are a lot of businesses that are really struggling to take care of their customers and their employees, given ever-changing restrictions, life-changing disruptions, and reduced levels of business. Unfortunately, there are a lot of firms that probably aren't going to survive this, and that's really sobering. So I think as businesses and governments look back, once we start to move past COVID, we're going to learn a lot. We'll be better prepared next time, and that's important because the next pandemic is really a question of when, not of if. And as we do that looking back, we need to be upfront with ourselves and have a little bit of humility in that the broad outline of this pandemic was really predictable. Not exactly what year, not exactly what kind of virus, but back in 2017, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control had a report that said, and this is a worthwhile quote, while we can't predict exactly when or where the next epidemic or pandemic will begin, we know that one is coming. You know, it wasn't just the CDC. It was universities and other institutions that laid out exactly the kinds of economic and social disruptions we've been experiencing. And we even had warning signs, dry runs, if you will, with MERS, SARS, H1N1, all of which could have become a global pandemic, but for one reason or another, we got lucky and they didn't. And COVID was just the one that did reach this stage. Wow, that's pretty confronting. So what's the bigger picture here then? What should businesses be doing now to prepare for a post-COVID economy? I think there are two major takeaways and they're related. The first is that this has made it obvious. We need managers to pay attention more than they may have been used to doing to the big picture, the macro environment. Right. When we're running business on a day-to-day basis, We're focused on internal operations, our suppliers, our competitors, more immediate threats and opportunities. And on a day-to-day basis, that's appropriate. It's what we should be doing. But there will be another pandemic. And if it isn't a pandemic, it'll be something like the great financial crisis, a terrorist attack on the scale of 9-11, or even political disruptions like the oil embargo of the 1970s. And that's even more the case as the world has become more interconnected 
and a disaster halfway around the world can become a disaster in our backyard overnight. So we just need every so often to step back and really think about that larger environment that could affect us. And then we need to translate that attention to the big picture into concrete planning that considers seismic existential threats to our business. Wouldn't that be costly? That's just such a natural question, isn't it? You have to ask, how can we afford to do that? Particularly because firms and governments are going to be financially stressed as we come out the other side of COVID. Definitely. But if we look at the difference that preparation made across countries and across businesses, I hope it's pretty obvious that the real question is how can we afford not to prepare for it? That's a tough question, and I don't want to discount it. Human nature works against staring into the abyss. We don't like to consider existential questions if we don't have to. It's going to require substantial changes in how we plan, invest, and operate. And it will be especially challenging for small and medium businesses who often lack access to the capital and the expert knowledge that's available to larger businesses. But even larger businesses can really struggle with this. And that's one reason that I think this is really going to require all sectors of society working together. Business, government, I think there's a role for the for-purpose sector. And certainly as a business school, we're contributing our expertise and we'll be incorporating lessons from the COVID-19 experience into how we train future leaders. Hmm. I'd like to pick up on your point about individual business owners. Do you have any advice for them? Perhaps you can recommend one practice that they should be doing right now, something that any individual business owner can start doing. Absolutely. And it begins with thinking about what a seismic existential crisis would be for your business. And that will vary across businesses. And we can't prepare for every disaster. You know, if the aliens show up to invade next week, I'm not going to blame any manager who wasn't prepared for that. Oh, thank goodness for that. Right. Now we just have to hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> there are probably common features across the most likely crises for a given business. It might be your supply chain. It might be losing sales. It might be about having your workforce unavailable all of a sudden. Once you've thought about what would that disaster be, that existential disaster, you can ask yourself, given your available resources, what can you put in place to prepare? Something that almost any business can do, regardless of its size or resources, is to map out the decisions you'd have to make when that crisis occurred and the criteria you'll use to make those decisions. Now, that can be somewhat elaborate. There's a great example of a grocery chain in the state of Texas in the U.S. called HEB. And when it first started to hear about coronavirus, it pulled out a tabletop planning exercise that it had actually designed after a hurricane in 2009. That's great. Whether it's that formal or not, if you've done that advanced work, you can move right into gathering the information you need to answer those questions, making decisions, taking actions, as opposed to trying to figure out both the questions and the answers at the same time in the middle of a crisis. Mm -hmm. So just that figuring out what decisions you would have to make and what your criteria would be, that's within the reach of almost any company. And it's a really important step that you can take. 
After that, you can think about alternative sources for what it is that would be lost or disrupted or thrown into question. It might be key inputs. It might be capabilities. It might be markets. And in that way, you can start to lay the groundwork for those alternatives. Some of this is just doing research, identifying what would alternative sources be. It might be forming relationships and appropriate depth with some of those alternative resources. Maybe even making key investments to support what it would take to switch suppliers, for example. This is something firms already do, right? We think about not getting overly dependent on a single supplier or a single customer. But it's a whole different level when you think about not what if my supplier went out of business, but what if an entire country shut down or what if international travel effectively ceased? Well, that's what we're seeing right now, aren't we? So you want to be sure to go back and make sure that your redundancies, your alternative plans are robust to disruption of that scale. And that's going to require a lot of cooperation. It's quite possibly beyond what a single firm can do. So it may call for horizontal cooperation, multiple businesses in the same industry working together. It may call for vertical cooperation, working with your suppliers and your customers in advance. And it will very likely span sectors. Again, government for purpose, universities, business, all working together. So really all sectors of society being involved. Okay, so why is that so important? Well, we're all going to be affected by how well we do this. It's natural that businesses are going to move to safer havens. You know, the variation we've seen in how countries have responded has had real economic and operational impacts on companies. And you'll see companies that can start to move away from regions that aren't ready for the predictable threats of the future. You're going to see disengagement from countries and businesses who made preparation more difficult for everyone. And you're already seeing this being discussed in the political and economic risk analyses that businesses consider. On the pandemic front, even with our current challenges, Australia has done itself a lot of good in the quality of our response, and I think that's very promising for the future. Now, Glenn, thinking beyond the pandemic, what other existential or economic threats could we expect in the future, besides things like zombies or extraterrestrial visits? And what sustainability practices do you see mitigating the risk of those threats? Well, as you mentioned, sustainability is a really key area here. And that incorporates not just climate change, but issues like pollution, loss of biodiversity, and others. And there's a really strong parallel to what we saw with the pandemic, in that the broad outlines of the impact on the well-being of people and economies are well understood. Maybe not in all of the details, but the broad outlines are very clear. We may not observe that impact on a daily basis, but we know it's going to be substantial. And so we'll see the same sort of responses over time. Simple business imperatives are going to lead investment to better prepared markets that are contributing more to solutions. Tolerance for businesses and countries that are increasing the sustainability burden on others will go down. So just as before, I'd say the question has to shift from how can we afford to address the challenges of sustainability to how can we afford not to?
And just like in the pandemic case, the answer to that question is going to require all hands on deck, business, government, the for-purpose sector, and academia. It's very clear that we need to focus on the future through a sustainability lens. Now, let's talk about the newly launched Centre for Sustainability and Business. How do you see it helping businesses and society? We're very excited with the launch of the Centre. The mission of the Center for Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School is to help business improve its financial and social performance by integrating sustainability into strategy and operations. Excellent. There are three pillars to accomplishing that. The first is to generate new ideas that are evidence-based and locally relevant. And we do that through our research. We do that through our ongoing interactions with business. The second is working with companies so they can engage more productively with sustainability. In particular, we want to help companies move beyond a compliance and risk reduction mindset, which is really important. But we can go beyond that, and we can think about the broader impacts of sustainability on both financial and social performance. And thirdly, we're bringing sustainability into our curriculum in an integrated way. We want tomorrow's business leaders to be sustainability literate, equipped to deal with the challenges of sustainability, and even more excitingly, equipped to seize the opportunities that it offers. That's definitely very exciting. Listeners, I've been speaking today with Glenn Hetker. He's a professor of strategy. He's Melbourne Business School's Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business and Director of the new Centre for Sustainability and Business. Glenn, would you like to share any closing thoughts with our listeners before we sign off for today? I think of a recent interview that Brendan Murphy, when he was our chief medical officer, gave. And he talked about the fact that Australia had moved quite early to get ahead of the curve on COVID-19. If we think about what that moving early and getting ahead meant, it meant that we had preparations based on the best available scientific knowledge. We acted to slow the impact of the crisis, and we productively used the time we bought ourselves to build our capacity to respond, again, based on the best science. As a result, not only are we better off here in Australia than we would have been otherwise, but our companies and our universities are important parts of that global response to COVID-19, and they're being recognized as such. So being prepared and moving early in terms of the pandemic seems to really be paying dividends even now. And for all of the same reasons, I hope we'll bring the same urgency to addressing the challenges of sustainability. Yes, well, he is hoping we can achieve that together. It's been great to chat with you today, Glenn. You've shared some really thoughtful insights that we can take on board and implement for a sustainable future. Thank you. Melbourne Business School is home to Australia's best MBA and business analytics degrees, as well as short courses for professionals and custom solutions for organisations. Our purpose is unleashing ideas and leaders for a sustainable future. Visit mbs.edu to find out more. Until next time.